This episode of Recommended is sponsored by Pashmina by Nidhi Chanani. This emotional immigrant story will ring true to anyone who has struggled with multiple identities or cultures, as well as those who empathize with that struggle. It's every bit as vital and universal as Jean Luen Yang's seminal and award-winning masterpiece, American Born Chinese. More about Pashmina by Nidhi Chanani later in the show. This is Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. This week, we're joined by Tom Barada discussing The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. What made The Metamorphosis so strange and, and refreshing for me was that it seemed to take its own weirdness in stride. It was a very matter-of-fact account of something that was completely impossible. There wasn't that distance that you often get when you read a sci-fi or fantasy, something that puts you outside of the realm of reality. Because Gregor is not that surprised to find himself into a bug. We're not, we're not that surprised either. And Nettie Okorafor, who picked What Happened by Hillary Rodham Clinton. Above all of the politics, I think the book is really well written. I think that's also what relevant. It's not just this thing that they threw together and threw out. It's very readable. I know for me, I don't remember any political book like this that I binge read, where I was looking forward to getting back into it. It's very readable. You just kind of sit back and listen. Tom Parada is the best-selling author of nine works of fiction, including Election and Little Children, both of which were made into Oscar-nominated films, and The Leftovers, which was adapted into a critically acclaimed Peabody Award-winning HBO series. His newest novel, Mrs. Fletcher, follows a 46-year-old divorcee who receives a mysterious text and her college-bound, aspiring frat boy son as they find themselves enmeshed in morally fraught situations that come to a head on one fateful November night. My name is Tom Parada, and The Metamorphosis by Kafka is my recommended. I first read Kafka in my sophomore year of high school. I was lucky enough to take this advanced English class that featured a book called Nine Short Modern Novels. And it was really the book that blew open the world of, of literature for me. It, it included The Stranger, Heart of Darkness, The Beast in the Jungle by Henry James. There's a novel by Alberto Moravia. There was something by Thomas Mann, something by Faulkner. And there was The Metamorphosis, which just <laughs> completely blew my mind. And I think somebody had told me, oh, yeah, this is a really cool story. It's about a guy who turns into a bug. And I think what I imagined was some wild sci-fi story. Instead, what I got was this weird family drama where no one was actually that surprised that this guy had turned into a bug. It almost like something that, <laughs> that had been within the, the realm of possibility. And this sort of controlled weirdness of it was something that really amazed me and felt extremely different from anything else that I was reading in in that book or anywhere else, because I had been a sci-fi and fantasy person up to that point. I was loving Lord of the Rings. I was loving Kurt Vonnegut. That stuff was much more, I think, conscious of its weirdness and what made the metamorphosis so strange and, and kind of refreshing for me was that it seemed to take its own weirdness in stride. It was a very matter-of-fact account of something that was uh, completely impossible. There wasn't that distance that you often get when you read sci-fi or fantasy, something that 
puts you outside of the realm of reality. Because Gregor is not that surprised to find himself into a bug. We're not that surprised either. I remember just being so excited by, by the weirdness. There were a couple of writers who hit this note of sustained weirdness that I found hugely exciting. The other one for me was Flannery O'Connor when she would write you know, a story like Good Country People, you know, where the Bible salesman steals Helga's wooden leg. And, and I think that I loved a, a premise that in itself was enough to make you sit up straight. But then the writer who could take that premise and somehow work it all the way through the story and not ever wink, you know, ne- neither Kafka nor Flannery O'Connor ever lets down winks at the reader and says, can you believe I'm getting away with this uh, craziness? And that's something that a lot of writers have done in, in a kind of postmodern fiction. It, it's like there, there's often a kind of authorial winking in, in a sense that this is a, a little game that we're all playing. And, and I, I find that somewhat alienating. And, and the fact that Kafka or Connor just would create a premise so insane and then treat it as if it were just another idea for a story that really what is what makes it feel like like you've entered a dream or some alternative reality that has as much gravity as the world that you move in. Here's the interesting thing about Kafka is he was hugely important to me when I was in college. I think he was a direct inspiration for me to read Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I was a big you know, magical realist in my mind I thought that was the way to go. I was really interested in that strain of writing. And then late in college, I think I I read Balzac. And suddenly I I, I was just young and reading a lot of things. And suddenly like Balzac and 19th century realism just really excited me. And somehow, and I read Raymond Carver also like right in in my, my senior year of college. I became this confirmed realist. I really self-consciously identified with that. And and it has been sort of my guiding light in my own sense of my literary influence. Just in the past month, I saw that there was this new biography of Kafka, this new three-part biography by a guy named Reiner Stock. I ended up reading the middle volume because the new volume had just came out. They came out in some weird order. But it was called Kafka, The Decisive Years. And it was about Kafka between like 1910 and 1914, which is when he wrote The Metamorphosis and and The Judgment and really became the writer that we know now. Read the biography and then I I read The Metamorphosis and I just remembered, it was was as if I'd found some picture in a yearbook. It just all came flooding back to me like, oh my God, this book kind of changed my life. And, And I had kind of repressed it because I went in some other direction and decided that I didn't want to write magical realism and I was a, a, an advocate of reality and, and realism and, and I just suddenly found it and it was like seeing yourself with like long hair in the 70s when you liked you know ACDC or whatever and going like oh yeah that's who I was there was a shock of recognition and I also realized that unlike say Marquez who I think really does move in a kind of um, magical space What I really was struck by was the matter-of-factness in Kafka and the sense that it was just a family story. The story of the metamorphosis never leaves the apartment. The only relationships that matter are really Gregor's relationships 
with his family members. And so in that sense, it has as much in common with a lot of realistic short fiction that I read as a story by John Cheever, who also, by the way, works in magical spaces. So I think I was just working on a false dichotomy. The other thing that happened was that I wrote The Leftovers. I didn't write it thinking about Kafka at all. But when I started to think about why I wrote it the way I wrote it, I realized that I had learned an enormous amount from something like The Metamorphosis. So The Leftovers opens not with the event of people disappearing, but opens three years later. The thing has already happened. It's just a fact in the world. And I just treat it like a fact in the world. When it feels like it's working, it has, for me, when I was writing, there were just certain moments that had this sort of sense that I was reporting something dreamlike, but in a way that felt as real as any uh, realistic story I'd written. And I realized that my entire aesthetic for writing something that had a dystopian or speculative or unreal premise that had come from reading Kafka. I'm glad I got a chance to, to do this because I really did feel like I found some buried uh, diary or something and, and you know, got a glimpse of uh, my former self in this book. I think it's also true that our deepest influences, uh, sometimes we don't even acknowledge. We've buried them so deeply. And we draw on them all the time and just take them for granted, the way maybe we do with our own families. Thanks again to Tom Parada for joining us and recommending The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. His latest novel, Mrs. Fletcher, published by Scribner, is available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about him at tomparada.net. Fierce Reads is the exclusive sponsor of this season of Recommended, and they are hosting a huge giveaway for recommended listeners. So go to FierceReadsRecommended.com to enter for a chance to win a bunch of great books. Included in that giveaway is Pashmina by Nidhi Chanani. This debut graphic novel not only deals with the many difficulties that Indian immigrants and Indian Americans face, but it also touches on the poor working conditions of women in India. Author Nidhi Chanani is an up-and-coming artist and entrepreneur who is honored at the White House as a champion of her change for her work. She brings a genuine personal voice to this heartwarming story. Beautifully illustrated and deftly told, this book invites us all to examine the power of our choices. Our thanks to Pashmina by Nidhi Chanani for making Recommended possible. Nnedi Okorafor is an international award-winning novelist of African-based science fiction, fantasy, and magical realism for both children and adults. Her newest novel, Akata Warrior, is the sequel to Akata Witch and continues the story of Sunny, who is learning to develop and control her magical powers and who must learn enough to confront the dark forces threatening humanity. My name is Nnedi Okorafor and Hillary Clinton's What Happened is My Recommended. I picked up the audio version because the audio version is Hillary Clinton, and I had it pre-ordered a long time ago. As soon as I heard that she was doing this book, I pre-ordered it immediately. I am really, really enjoying the audio. I think that the, the best way to hear this story is in Hillary's own voice, and it's, it's the way that she reads, it's like you kind of fall into the rhythm of her words and her story, and I think... No, I think that this is really the best way to hear the story. I knew going in, I understand who Hillary Clinton is. I know that she is a, a politician. I, she's both a person and a politician. I went into reading this with that information in mind and listening in with that information in mind. 
what I love most about the book is that she answers every single question that I had, that I had about, about the whole situation. And she does it thoroughly. She does it in a well-researched way. And, I, and of course, I fully understand that she's coming from a political perspective. But also, I think the book is also really personal as well. I enjoy reading memoirs. So there's that. And that was part of what attracted me to this book, especially when the memoir is in a narrative format. I like reading that. So I wanted to hear her experience. I don't read a lot of political books at all. I just don't. I'll read snippets and bits and pieces and, and, and um, I'll read textbook type nonfiction for information. But this one I didn't read just for information. I read it, it. It's enjoyable to me. It flows in a way that that's what I find so delightful about it. The narrative aspect in there is strong. It's not just a political narrative where I'm just reading it to understand what happened. It's like it's a story. It's a story of her life. She talks about her family. She talks about Chelsea. A little bit about Bill. Uh, I would have liked more of that. I mean, there are aspects of it I know that she just purposely stayed away from. I would have liked to hear what she had to say about the Monica Lewinsky scandal. I, I would have, I would hear her point of view on that, like her honest point of view on that. She tiptoed away from that, but it's still that personal narrative aspect to it really is what got me through um, what is considered a political book. She was very aware of what questions people wanted answered. And she put it in a way where you're like, okay. And then also there are a lot of anecdotes. She puts a lot of her personal, yeah, her personal self into this book. And I, I really appreciated that. I mean, for all the criticisms, Hillary Clinton certainly is not perfect. She's made mistakes. Like every politician who's been in the game for a long time, she's made mistakes. Also, I can hear some of the flaws as well. There are moments where I'm like, okay, you need to address issues of race and your white privilege right here. And I can hear those moments as well. I'm aware of those, but that's what I mean. You go into the book understanding these things and you know how to listen and you know how to take in her, take in the information she's throwing at you. Even with its flaws, it just feels very honest. It feels very honest. And I appreciate that. I mean, as honest as, as a politician can be. I think that the book will stay relevant for multiple reasons. One, I think people are curious. I think people are curious to hear her perspective. For a politician to talk about um, mistakes is always difficult. She talks about her mistakes and she talks about all sides of it. Above all of the politics, I think the book is really well written. I think that's also what relevant. It's not just this thing that they threw together and threw out. It's very readable. I know for me, I don't remember any political book like this that I binge read where I was looking forward to getting back into it. It's very readable. You just kind of sit back and listen. I hope that people are actually reading it and not just buying it to have it. I do think that those who read it uh, will find that it is a rare gem because it's, it's, a, it's a book about politics, but it's also very, very readable from beginning to end. I mean, who is the intended audience? What I also thought about was that, or what I also hope is that those who are not Hillary supporters would read it. But I, I can't really see that happening. Maybe the book, not the audiobook. The audiobook is very much in her voice. There's some people who just absolutely hate this woman for so many reasons. And, I, and a lot of reasons where I'm like, whoa, you need to scale that 
there are so many people who, who absolutely hate her and see her as not a human being, but as a political force, a negative political force. I can't see them sitting back and listening to a whole audiobook in her voice. I can't see it, especially when she speaks her perspective. I think that this book is outside of all the political aspects of it. For me, as a Black woman who is dealing with the issue of being in a position where a lot of things are happening for me, where I have to kind of stand up for certain beliefs and stand up to issues of race and issues of gender and issues of sexism, I found reading this book to be very strengthening and empowering. I mean, aside from all of the politics, this is a woman who entered a very male, patriarchal arena and had to deal with some serious, yeah, some serious sexism. She had to face it and she had to be eloquent about it. If she weren't eloquent in the way that she handled those things that were thrown at her, it would have just damaged a lot of paths for those who came after her. Me dealing with all the things that I'm dealing with now as a Black woman, reading this book was empowering. It was exactly what I needed to read at the time. So, yeah, I wanted to definitely say that. (laughs) With the film option and then having these weird media issues that I've been having and understanding where a lot of that is coming from and then having to hear through social networking thousands of people just talking and, and, and seeing all these news stories that are popping up about this project that are wrong, where what they're saying is just flat out wrong. And I remember thinking, oh man, what must Hillary have thought when she went through a lot of the things that she's been through over the decades? Hearing her talk about how a lot of this hurt, a lot of the things that were happening around her and things that were being said, a lot of it hurt, but she kept going and and stayed strong, even all the politics aside, that was just something I needed to hear. It helped a lot. It was some role model stuff for me. Thanks again to Nettie Okorafor for joining us and recommending What Happened by Hillary Rodham Clinton. Her novel, Akata Warrior, published by Viking Books for Young Readers, is now available wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at Nettie, that's N-N-E-D-I. Thanks to Fierce Reads for sponsoring this show on behalf of Pashmina by Nidhi Chinani. Be sure to check out the Recommended Season 1 giveaway at fiercereadsrecommended.com. Next week on Recommended, one of our guests tells a very personal story. So I had the book, and, and this is probably going to be inappropriate, but what actually ended up happening was I actually was in the bathroom. I went to the bathroom, and, and I... And I and, and for those who know the book, it's, 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 a, it's not a big book. There's not much there. Um, there's a lot there, but there's not a lot of heft to the book uh, in terms of page. And I, and I was sitting there, and I was reading it, and I read the first two pages, and then I just stayed in the bathroom for the next two hours. I just sat in the bathroom. <laughs>